far? Can we all agree on that? Yeah. What's been your favorite part so far? Worship. Worship is the correct answer, not, you know, what? The uh, Worship was the correct answer. Oh, sorry. Not, but... Uh, especially, you know, we were all able to uh, dodge the steeple and all the aluminum siding. Um, has anybody seen the movie Twister? Yeah. yeah. If you say Sharknado, you're about to get these hands, I'll tell you that. Uh, there's really no, like, theological, like, tie-in to that. Um, just Twister's a good movie. That's it. So, you have that for you for tonight. But anyways, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're in Romans chapter 5 tonight, and we want to welcome everybody to Easter Greenhouse. Uh, We have, so far, as we've stated, had a very exciting night. Uh, We have a very exciting night in store for the rest of time, because we're going to study God's Word together. Uh, We're going to celebrate what Jesus has done for us, and then we're all going to go eat pizza together, because the family that breaks pizza together stays together, is... Somewhere in the Bible, no, probably not. But Romans chapter 5, so as you're turning there, we're going to kind of recap what we've been talking about so far. We've kind of slowly been walking through the gospel. Reason for that, we said three reasons why we're wanting to do that. Number one, for those of us who have made a decision to follow Christ, it just leaves us jaw-dropped, awestruck at how awesome this thing that Jesus has done for us. For those of us who might not know who Jesus is, who might not know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that hopefully throughout the last two weeks, Hopefully tonight that something will stir in your life that you decide and you realize your need for a Savior. That your eyes are open to what Jesus has done for you on the cross. That your eyes are open to our sinful condition and our need for salvation. And that we respond to that. And then ultimately for all of us who have come to know Christ, that we have readily in the chamber knowledge of how to share our faith. And knowledge of what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus has done for the world out there as well. And so kind of summarize what we've talked about the last two weeks. We started with this idea that God rules, that that everything in the world was perfect, that everything was right when God created it. And then we started talking about how we sinned, how we messed that up, how our sin separates us from a perfect God. And then last week we talked about how God provided the perfect solution for us, how God provided the Band-Aid, God provided the antidote, God provided everything to fix our sinful solution. So tonight, we're going to focus on the last two parts, and that's that Jesus gave his life for us and that we respond to this message that we heard. But, but to start with that, we have to understand for all of us that we're all sinful, that we're all sinful creatures, and because of our sin, that separates us from God, and there's nothing we can do for ourselves to fix that relationship, and so what we desperately need is help. Now, how many of you guys, by show of hands, are really quick to ask for help for, for anything? Some of us are, and some of you guys, hey, that is a great character trait to have. I wish I had that. I'm the type of guy that I try and think, like, I'm going to have it all fixed up. I'm going to find my own answers. I'm going to find my own solutions. You can't tell me any different. My wife is nodding at me and don't appreciate that. But anyways, we're going to talk about it. I've got a picture here to show us this, to kind of show us this demonstration. Uh, Who here? That is me, Yes. Carrying all those groceries. Don't take two trips. Who here? Who here has taken more than one trip to carry all the groceries in? How dare you? Let me tell you, kids. No, kids, y'all listen to me for just a second. Kids, 
Children, listen to, listen to the old man here for just a second. Back in my day, I lived on a third floor apartment in New Orleans, Louisiana, which is literally like a humid toilet bowl. That's what it is, all right? And I would go to Walmart and I would buy all my groceries, all my canned goods, which are the heaviest things, melons, which are the heaviest of all the fruits. You think I was bothered taking two, three trips to the third floor? What's up, Scott? Ooh, Scott, I like that jacket. Can I wear it tonight? Okay. No, that's okay. Go sit down. Go sit down. You think I was bothered taking more than one trip to take all those groceries? No. Why do many trip when one trip do trick, right? Only one trip. Only one trip. Only one trip. That's what I'm talking about. Why take... And so, so you know, all that to say, I did have a friend in seminary who actually really hurt his wrist because he was doing one of these things. He, we, we were roommates. He lived up on the third floor, and he was like wrapped it all around and like was carrying on, and he had one bag in his teeth, and he was doing this number. And I'm sitting there the whole time like, bro, I, I can help you. I can, I got it. Obviously not. But anyways, all that to say, like we need help. And guys, in our spiritual condition in life, we desperately need help. We desperately need to ask for help. And some of us guys, we might have it all together. We might think we have it all together. And sometimes the ones of us that think we have it all together, the ones who are the hardest ones to admit that we need help on things. And Jesus tells us in the Gospels, he has us running with a rich young ruler. And he says that it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That it's hard for that to happen. Because we have a very blessed life here in America. We've got everything. We've got all these great amenities. We've got all these great blessings. We've got all these great gifts. But without Jesus, guys, we're still hurting and we're still in need of help. And we could never fix for ourselves everything. So the gospel quite literally says that we all need help and we can't fix things on our own. And because we can't fix things on our own, what God did is he provided the correct solution. And that solution came through his son, Jesus, by him offering his life for him, for us. And so as we celebrate Easter, that's, that's what we celebrate is we celebrate on, on Friday the death of Jesus. But then on Sunday, we celebrate how he rose from the grave, how he championed over death, how he championed over sin, how he now stands in victory and in ruling authority over all things. And we're going to talk about that together tonight in Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, it's a really cool chapter because what it's doing is it's kind of balancing for us, okay, the rule that sin had in our lives through Adam and, and through Adam's misconduct, through Adam's sin, through all those things, <coughs> how sin ruled over all things through Adam, but how through Jesus' sacrifice, victory, grace, mercy now rules over all those things. You see, for all of us, like, leadership is important because leadership sets the tone. Leadership, we follow the leader, right? And, and we, you know, not mentioning names, we've, we've had times in our country, we've had times on the global political stage, we've had strong leadership. And we've seen history thrive, and we've seen countries thrive, and economies thrive under strong leadership. On the contrary, we've seen weak leadership where things don't really go according to plan, right? Leadership is important. Ruling authority is important. And so at Romans 5, what Paul is writing for us, he's just balancing for us. This is what life was like when sin was ruling everything, but this is what life is like now through what Jesus did with his grace, with his mercy, with the free gift of eternal life ruling over everything. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12. 
It says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So stop right here for just a second. What we're seeing here, what Paul is writing for us, is he's, set, he's setting the stage for us and seeing that through what Adam did, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, through what Adam, through what Eve did, through their sin, sin has spread like a cancer throughout all of humanity. Every single one of us here, we were born with the ability to sin, and we have done it very well throughout our lives. I told you all about Hank, how Hank now is getting to that point where he's getting sassy, and he's getting a little disrespectful. He's getting to act a little bit more like his mama. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Anyways, all that. So, so we, we talked about this. Like All of us here, we were brought forth into this world. We were brought forth sinful. Because through Adam and Eve, sin has ruled over all. Through what Adam and Eve did, sin has ruled over all. And so think about this. Through one act of Adam and Eve, it has plagued generation after generation after generation, everyone to walk the face of this planet. Through the act of one person. When I was in college playing football, we lost the game by two points. Everybody say two points. Two points. Our kicker, and I'm not going to mention last name, but our kicker's name was Eric, okay? Okay. Uh, Eric, just wait, it gets worse. We lost this game by two points, okay? In this game, Eric missed. We scored a touchdown, we scored the first points of the game. Eric got up to kick the extra point, wide right. So there's one point on the field, Okay. We scored a touchdown later in the game. He lines up to kick it. He doesn't even get it past the lineman. So there he's left two points on the field. And then he also missed two field goals in the game. So altogether, a game we lost by two points, Eric single-handedly left eight points on the field that would have won us the game, right? And we'd have our team meeting on Sunday night. You know what coach got up and told us? Coach got up and told us this. Gentlemen, it is not Eric's fault that we lost the game. That's what I said. I was sitting there. I'm like, Coach, I'm, not, I, I'm a Hart County, I'm a Kentucky public education, okay? But even I know that Eric's the reason we lost this game, okay? I didn't actually say that. I was a good, compassionate teammate. But, but you see this idea like, no, you lost us the game. Don't try and hide, anyway, all this stuff. But you see like what Paul is pointing for us here is that through Adam, through one action, through one moment of weakness, through one moment of not thinking things through clearly, through one act of sin, what happened is that one act of sin separated us from a perfect relationship with God and has plagued us from generation to generation to generation. And now what rules over the top of us is sin, and the wages of sin is death. So we talk about leadership, we talk about ruling authority. Who here is really lined up, really jazzed, really excited to think that Without Christ, that our lives are being ruled by sin and our lives are being ruled by death. That's very exciting, right? Absolutely not. And so all this to say, and so continuing on, verse 15. It says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace 
of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And so here what Paul is doing now, he's flipping this around. He's showing us here, okay, through one man's sin, through Adam's sin, sin and death is reigning over everything. But through the perfect life of Jesus, through his obedience, through his perfection, through all those things, just because through one man's poor decision, many died, through one man's perfect life, many more are going to live, guys. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, for those of us who are in a relationship with him, our lives are not over. Our lives are not under the thumb of sin. Our lives are not under the yoke of slavery. Our lives are free. Our lives are purchased by his blood. That Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for us. And through his obedience, through his perfection, he died that atoning death and that atoning sacrifice that we deserve. Y'all remember last week we talked about how there was this period of sacrifices that God implemented, that, that God showed, and he said, you could bring forth a lamb, you could bring forth a, a, a small bull, you could bring forth something. You could sacrifice that, and the blood of that animal for that time period is going to temporarily appease your sin. It was an act, and it was, it was this whole act that it was reminding us over and over and over of, okay, God is merciful, and he's granting me forgiveness for this, but it's also a reminder every time that we go and we have to put knife to the neck of that animal or whatever, that it's reminding us that my sin has consequences. And guys, you think about this, that Jesus came to be the Lamb of God, that Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice for us, that our sin put him on a cross, that our sin put thorns on his head, that our sin did all this to him. But he died in our place, that atoning sacrifice, so that we might be saved. That he died the death that we all deserved. And so by doing that, we see how death and sin was ruling over our lives. For those that have accepted that free gift that Paul keeps talking about of Jesus' love, that we now are alive, that we now are bought with grace, that we now are bought with mercy, that our lives are defined by something completely different from here on out. And so continuing on, Romans chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Quite honestly, what Paul is writing here, and what he's saying is this, guys. There is more grace in a bloody cross, there is more grace in an empty tomb than there could ever be sin in your hearts. That Jesus died the death that we deserve, and Jesus' blood covers the sins of many and multitudes. It doesn't mean that we leave and we go and say, okay, I'm saved, I'm going to sin it up even more. No, we leave obedient, we leave thankful, and we leave grateful for what Jesus has done for us. But what Jesus has done for us is that he has bought us freedom. 
And the death that Jesus paid has bought us eternity and bought us salvation and bought us freedom and bought us salvation for our entire lives, guys. The choice is quite simple for all of us. We have to determine, okay, what do we want to have rule over our lives? Do we want to be ruled over sin? Do we want to be ruled over by death? Do we want to be ruled over by the world? Do we want to be ruled over by all these difficult and harmful things? Or do we want to be ruled over a God who loved you to die for you? The choice is yours tonight because we said Jesus gave his life. He died the death that we deserve. He rose from the grave, defeating sin, defeating death so that we could have eternal life so that those things cannot rise back up and have ruling authority over us anymore. That Jesus gave his life and then we have the choice that we respond to that action. We respond to what he says. Everybody flip over to John chapter 2 for me. As we talk about how we respond. And we're going to come back to Romans chapter 10. But in John chapter 2, you know, we're talking in Easter time, like the end of Jesus' life. We're going to go all the way back to his first miracle. And so in John chapter 2, he's, he's at a wedding. And beginning in verse 6, <clears throat> just to kind of set things up, he's at this wedding and they ran out of the wine. They ran out of the, the celebratory drink. They ran out of everything to like celebrate the wedding and celebrate the bridegroom and everything like that. And they, they ran out of all this great stuff and the stuff that everybody was wanting. And so in John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, There were six stone jars of water there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the, waters, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now it had become wine. <clears throat> and he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of the signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So all this to say, this is what Jesus is happening here, is that these six jars that he filled up with water, that he turned water into wine, these six jars are very important because, you know, we talked about Leviticus, we talked about... Old Testament laws, we talked about all these like rules that we had to keep up and all these rituals we had to keep up for our salvation and for our purification and for our righteousness and all these things. And it was a chore and it was an effort and it took conscientious day in and day out trying to keep all these things. And the law was established in such a way that no one was ever going to be able to keep all these things. And so there were these six stone jars for purification that for the Jewish faith that you had to wash your hands, you had to bathe, you had to do all these things every so often to be, de- to be deemed clean. And what Jesus has done now is he's taken what the world said is going to make you clean, he emptied them out and filled them up with wine, and we know through the Lord's Supper that wine is Jesus' blood. What he's saying is, okay, you can stay put with these stone jars of water, and you can keep spinning your wheels in this life, and you can keep trying to think that you're getting somewhere, but you're not going to get anywhere. Or... My blood has bought you what the Bible says, good wine. My blood has bought you something so much better than anything else that you could possibly imagine for yourselves, guys. That is the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that Jesus' blood has bought us something great. That Jesus' blood has brought us freedom. That Jesus' blood has bought us salvation. That Jesus' blood has bought us 
the fact that we don't have to be ruled in fear and scaredness, and we don't have to look at the world and tremble in our boots, that Jesus' blood has bought us confidence and assurance in this world. Jesus has bought us something great, and he gave his life for us, and what we now have to do is we have to respond to what and who we are going to follow. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Left side, everybody say everybody. Middle side, central side, y'all say everybody. Right side, y'all say everybody. Balcony, y'all say everybody. Men in the house, everybody say everybody. Ladies in the house, say everybody. Senior high students, everybody say everybody. Junior high students, say everybody. Leaders, say everybody. All right, so y'all know what everybody means? Everybody. Now listen to me for just a second. This, this is coming to a point. I'm asking the band to come on up <clears throat> for just a little bit. Everybody means everybody. That everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we just went through every, like, geographical, we went through age group, we went through boy and girl, we went through what school you go to, we went through everything like that because, guys, <clears throat> what the Bible tells us is that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that means if you're here tonight, it means if you call on the name of the Lord and you put your faith, you put your trust, you put your hope in his hands, you can be saved. It doesn't mean that the certain elect, it doesn't mean that the certain ones that have made all this great progress, it doesn't mean that you're rich, it doesn't mean that the poor, it doesn't mean that boys, girls, whatever, everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you are here tonight and you want salvation and you want freedom and you want to be saved from this life of being ruled of, the, of sin and death, of this life of trying to spin your wheels and try and make everything happen for you, if you want freedom, in this life, guys, what it says right here is that you call on the name of the Lord and you can be saved. <clears throat> because we've talked about, we've walked through it this past, these past few weeks, guys. Our sin separates us from God. God sent his son to die for us that through a relationship with him, we might be made right. Because you can be saved here tonight. And let tonight be that night, guys. We, we've experienced fear outside these doors already tonight. Let's not leave these doors here tonight fearful again. Let's leave here tonight confident. Let's leave here tonight with assurance, guys. I'm going to ask my leaders to stand up for me. <clears throat> I'm going to ask the house lights to go down just a little bit. And I'm going to ask all of you guys here, look around the room for just a little bit. Kind of see where your leaders are standing. If you need to stand up, if you need to look around, see where they are. But our leaders are going to be around. Leaders, y'all can spread out even in the back just a little bit as well. <clears throat> y'all can move around. Y'all can do all these things because what we now have an opportunity to is respond. All right, so everybody look back at me for just a second. And here's what I want to ask you. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a little bit, all right? Because you, like I said, you have the opportunity to respond. Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
And so the question I have for you guys, I've got a few questions, a few opportunities to respond, but number one is this. If you're here tonight, you've lived 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 some odd years on this life, and you've walked through this life alone, but you're here tonight and you say, hey, I need help. There's no shame in that. There's no weakness in that. There is strength in that because when you're asking for help, you're asking for help from the God of the universe. If you're here tonight and you've never made a decision to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's what I want to ask you to do is just kind of look up at me for just a second. If you're looking at me, if you are maybe like, hey, I really need this, but I don't want to make eye contact, I don't want to look at you, here's what I'm going to encourage you all to do. In just a little bit, the band's going to play, we're going to sing. And the first thing I want you to do when you hear that key hit, when you hear that drum hit, when you hear that guitar strum, whatever, I want you to go find that leader that is special to you. I want you to have the greatest conversation you're ever going to have in your life, guys. You can, put, you can bow your head, close your eyes again. And some of us here as well have been following Jesus for a while, but we need to get some things straight. and We need to repent. We need to lay some things aside. If that's you here tonight, I want to ask you, you can just look up, make eye contact with me again. There's things that you know, hey, I'm not following freedom. I'm not following the things. <clears throat> Same thing goes for y'all. If that's you, and when the, when the band starts, when we start singing, I just ask you to get up, go find a leader, go talk, go work through some things. There's no shame in that as well. Now I want to ask everybody to look up at me for just a second. Every, Hey, we have talked about something great, and we have talked about something awesome. We have talked about a God who loves you. And if you just want to come up here to the front, and you just want to kneel, and you just want to say thank you, if you just want to be face down before the Lord and say thank you for what you've done, guys, the altar is open, your seat is open, the back is open. You guys go somewhere where you can just be alone with the Lord and just say thank you, because he's done something great for y'all, okay? but we respond to what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father God, we love you. God, we thank you that you're great. We thank you that you saw us and you didn't see enemies and you didn't see um, people against you, but you saw your children still. You saw children that were hurting. You saw children who were crying. You saw children who needed help. And God, you intervened for us and you sent your son into this world, God. And Lord, we say thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for those who have never made a decision, God, that we could leave here, as your word says, that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, God. That as we come into this place, as in everybody, that we leave this place, everybody, knowing you, knowing you as their father, knowing you as their Lord, knowing you as their savior, knowing new life, knowing all these great things that only can come through you, Lord. God, we love you. God, be with us. Be with our leaders as they lead discussions. But God, move mightily in this place, Lord. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.